Hi, and welcome to the final, final, no surprises, absolutely the final finale of season one of the Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian. I'm Jonathan Messenger, and I'm... And I'm really excited to hear what happens next with... Um, I just want to say that I know we have a lot of new listeners out there, and if you are new to the show, this one is not the episode to start with. You'll want to go all the way back to episode one. Okay, <laughs> Bebop, what is going on? Oh, well, while I'm waiting for my show, Bebop Tales, winner of two Oscars and one Grammy for Best Original Robot Recording. That is not true. In the meantime, I know you've been getting sounds in from listeners for Griffin Sound Club, so I wanted to submit a couple, like... Okay, thank you. I think that's enough for right now, but that's right. Listeners, if you want to send in the sound... By all means, email earth at fincaspian.com. Remember, we'll send you an Explorers Troop 301 sticker. And in fact, anyone who has sent a joke or some bebop food will be getting one of those as well. So we'll be in touch if you've already sent something in. How's that sound, bebop? Okay, I agree with that. Let's get right into the next episode then. You remember what was happening. The troop was deep in the belly of the nest, and they'd just come upon what they thought was the captured Marlowe adults, but was in fact dozens and dozens of Finn's mother. And no bunts in sight. So here it is. Buckle up. The season finale of the alien adventures of Finn Caspian. The battle for the Marlowe. Finn was shocked. He couldn't move. There were dozens and dozens of his mother, and they all looked at him, terrified. Or were they terrifying? It was like being in a hall of mirrors, except they were all moving independently, and they were all coming right toward him. Finn, said Abigail, grabbing his arm. It's Bunce. They're not real. Finn still couldn't grasp what he was seeing. He used the dreamstone, Finn. He's trying to confuse you. Okay said Vale. If one of you is the real Captain Caspian, then you'll know this. Why did I get in trouble last year during spring cleaning? All of the mothers turned to Vale. Because you tried to flush one of the tiny cleaner bots down the toilet, they all said. Oh, said Vale. Yeah, but that was just because I thought the pipes needed cleaning. And how do you all know that? You're not the boss of me. Genevieve grabbed Abigail and Finn. Look, I don't know what's going on here, but obviously we can't fight them. One of them might actually be the real Finn's mom. And besides, they're not really attacking us, they're just sort of... Distracting us, said Lancebot. And if they're distracting us, then that means Bunce, Boggus, and Bean are doing something they don't want us to see. Like escaping, said Foggy. Finn was still in a daze, staring at a sea of his mothers. Okay, listen, said Abigail. Bunce has something called a dreamstone. It lets you create whatever you can think of. That's how he made the wild things. That's how he made those scaly monsters. And now it's how he's made all of these copies of Finn's mother. We need to find the dreamstone. And we need to destroy it fast. And we also need to find Bunce, Boggus, and Bean before they escape, said Genevieve. Wait a second, said Elias. It sounds like you're saying we need to split up. And I remember specifically you saying we should never, ever split up, which I agree with, by the way. It's the only way, said Finn. He turned to his friends, still looking shocked, but gaining control with every second. Abigail and Genevieve, you take Lancebot and find the Dreamstone. Voltronics, you, Vale, and Elias, keep digging. 
See if you can find where the adults are being held captive. We can't leave without them. Foggy, you and I are going to go find Bunce, Boggus, and Bean before they escape. And I kind of want to get away from these moms. Hey, said Vale, if I never see you dudes again, I just want to say that you are all, you know, really great dudes. Abigail smacked Vale's helmet. Don't talk like that. We'll all see each other again once we get out of here and back to the pod. And with that, the troop went their separate ways. The first way. Voltronics Elias Vale dig through the tunnels. Elias and Vale got back down on their stomachs and followed Voltronics as he plowed forward. They dug through tunnel after tunnel after tunnel, room after room, trying to find the captured Marlow cosmonauts, but with no luck. They had a sense they were running out of time. Hold on, Voltronics, said Elias. This isn't working. The adults are somewhere in one of their chambers. But if we keep digging our own paths, we're never going to find it. We're going to have to go through the tunnels that are already made. Yeah, but then we're going to be facing off with all the traps again, said Vale. But they had no choice. They went along the tunnels and again had to cut themselves out of nets that dropped from the ceiling and shoo away a swarm of bats that swooped down at them when they were in a tunnel. Elias and Vale dove to the ground to avoid them, but Voltronics didn't react in time, and the bats swarmed around him. And when they had left, Voltronics stamped his foot. Okay, bats, really? I draw the line, the bats. And he stomped his foot again. Wait, shh, said Elias. He put his ear to the floor. Stomp again, Voltronics. Gladly, I hate bats. There it is again, said Elias. Every time you stomp, someone knocks on the floor. Voltronics, let's drill down right here. It only took Voltronics a minute to drill a hole in the floor big enough for the three to poke their heads through. Staring at them were about 15 dusty, bedraggled-looking adults, including Finn's mother. Hello, Troop 301, she said. Hey, dudes, said Vale. We are here to save all of you old people. The second way, Abigail, Genevieve, and Lancelot seek the Dreamstone. If I were a crazy evil mastermind with a vendetta, where would I put my most prized possession? Said Genevieve, as the three went deeper into the nest. I don't know. Under your pillow. Said Lancelot. On Planet Bob, the stone was kept behind a giant door in a sort of sacred vault deep within a castle, said Abigail. I wouldn't put it past months to recreate something like that, since he seems to love to take other people's ideas. Or a giant door like that one. Ahead of them was a large door, slightly open, with just enough wiggle room for the three to squeeze in. Behind it, they found a small cavern filled with treasure, sparkling jewels, silver and gold coins, rocks that glittered, and all sorts of statues and sculptures depicting aliens from across the galaxies. Do you think Bunce, Boggus, and Bean collected all of this? asked Genevieve. I don't know, said Abigail. I could see the moths being attracted to some of this stuff too. But no matter what, whoever's it is, they certainly hoarded enough treasure to buy this entire galaxy. So, which of these is the Dreamstone then? Abigail surveyed the treasure. It's not here. Are you sure? said Genevieve. Maybe we should dig around a bit and see. No, said Abigail. If you'd ever seen it before, you would know. There's a lot of beautiful stuff in here. But nothing compares to the Dreamstone. So that means, said Genevieve, that means Bunce has taken it with him. We have to go find Finn and Foggy right now. The third way. 
Finn and Foggy look for punts, Foggus, and Bean. Finn and Foggy wasted no time. They climbed up through the tunnels as fast as they could. Foggy would have flown Finn, but there were so many narrow tunnels and sharp turns, it wouldn't have been any faster. Eventually, they found their way back to a room that looked familiar, and from there, they were able to retrace their steps to find a way out. But as they climbed, they began to hear footsteps and muttering ahead of them. I can't believe you left all that treasure down there. Just wasted. I can't believe you think that's important. We're about to regain control of the Marlowe and fulfill the destiny we've dreamed of for 15 years. And all you're concerned about is some trinkets in the basement. But what if the kids get it? Let them. All that treasure will buy them is a nice glass of hot air on this forsaken planet. Foggy looked at Finn. Okay, said Finn. We're not going to be able to stop all three of them by ourselves, right? Probably not. Don't worry, Foggy. I have a plan. Of course you do. Hey, hey, Bogus. I got some of that treasure you're looking for. That's, uh, that's not the plan I was expecting. Within seconds, Bogus's shiny face was poking back around the tunnel. He laid eyes on Foggy and Finn and yelled, Bean! Bunts! I found the boy and his little toy over here. Come on, let's get him. You two take care of that, said Bunts. I'm going to get the ship ready. We can't jeopardize anything now. Bogus and Bean came running into the tunnel. Come here, kid! yelled Bogus. Okay, Foggy, you know what to do, said Finn. Uh, no, actually I don't. You never tell me your plan. Said the robot, trailing Finn as the two fled from Bogus and Bean. Good, then they won't know what's happening either, said Finn. He turned right down a tunnel, left down another, up, down, left again, Bogus the whole time huffing and puffing behind him. On my count, duck, Finn said. One, two, three. Foggy and Finn ducked just as rocks the size of bowling balls came rolling down chutes on either side of them. But Bogus was too focused on Foggy and Finn, and one of the rocks caught him right in the stomach. Oof! Bogus got up and dusted himself off. Takes more than that to stop me. You're going to use their own traps against them. Brilliant. They ducked down another tunnel and Foggy lifted Finn over a stream of acid. Bogus splashed through, the bright orange slime eating at his shoes. Come on! You two think you're so smart! Bogus fell straight down a hole, another trap laid by his friends that he didn't know about. Did you know that was there? Foggy asked, putting Finn back on the ground. Nope, but I'm not complaining. I'll give you something to complain about. It was Bean. She was carrying a torch in one hand and a small canister in the other. Bogus was always the densest of the three of us, but you're not going to outwit me. She squeezed the canister, and it shot out compressed air, fanning the flame from the torch at Finn and Foggy. Ah, let's keep moving. They took Bean through tunnel after tunnel, trap after trap, but Bean just kept on coming. Blades falling from the ceiling. Dodged. Cannonballs sprung from a catapult. Blocked. Nets sprung from the floor. Cut with the very blades from before. Nothing could stop her, until Foggy and Finn found one of the tunnels that was dug by Voltronics. In here, he said to Foggy. She knows everything out there, but she won't know her way through the tunnels that we made. Finn and Foggy came out into a large, echoing chamber. It was pitch black. It was the cavern with the lake. They ran and hid behind a rock before Bean could see them. She entered the cavern, torch barely illuminating her face. Hello, little boy. Where are you? Where are you? 
She swung the torch around. Nothing. You know you can't win. This is our planet. We know every inch. But soon enough, you will too. As we take the Marlowe and leave you here forever. Her torch caught the glint of Foggy's chrome. Hiding, bent over behind a low stone wall. She slowly walked over to them, smiling. Where, oh where can you be? She climbed up onto the rock Finn and Foggy were hiding behind. Gotcha. Nope, said Foggy. <laughs> We've got you. Foggy grabbed Bean and flew her out over the lake. No, 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 no. Put me down, put me down. He saw an island in the distance and dropped her there. I wouldn't try swimming back if I were you, said Foggy, flying back over the lake and landing next to Finn. Did you see the monster? What did it look like? Uh, you don't want to know. Wait. Is she going to be okay out there? Yeah, she'll be fine. Let's go. The two made the long trip back up out of the nest. By now, it seemed all the traps had been released, and there was nothing for them to worry about. But as they finally found the light, and they made their way out of the cave, they saw their troubles were far from over. Crawling all over the nests were dozens and dozens of those scaly green fire monsters, having climbed out of the trench. Only this time, they weren't chasing the explorers. They were hanging around the mountain, breathing fire onto giant boulders. That's weird, said Foggy. Wait a second, said Finn. They got the book from the Marlow, right? And the Dreamstone from Planet Bob. But we never figured out what they got from the Patience Planet. Two of the monsters looked down at Finn and Foggy and shoved the boulder, rolling it straight toward them. Uh-oh, exploding babies. Exploding babies. The two took off down the nest, but the dweller eggs were rolling quickly, gaining momentum, ready to explode. Foggy grabbed Finn and lifted him up off the ground, just as one egg exploded behind them. There. That's easy enough. I wouldn't say that. Two other monsters had picked up their egg and threw it at the explorers. Foggy put Finn on his back, and the two zipped around, dodging exploding eggs like fighter pilots. Every time one exploded, Foggy reached out and grabbed the dweller baby that was born. Can't let these guys fall so far. It's not their fault. Finn, Foggy, Abigail, Genevieve, and Lancebot came racing out of another cavern, closer to the ground. Don't worry about us, said Finn. Get to the pod and stop Bunts. He could see the villain inside the grounded pod, trying to work the controls and fire it up with enough power to fly out of the trench. Lancebot got to the pod first, though, opened the door and yanked Bunts out. It's all over for you, Knave. Is it now? Take a look at that. Bunce pointed at Foggy, weighed down by all the little rock babies he was catching, and he was having trouble outmaneuvering the flying eggs. One exploded just next to them, knocking Foggy out of line, and they all crashed to the ground. Anything's possible when you dare to Dreamstone. Bunce closed his eyes and dozens more of his green fire monsters appeared along with another dozen wild things. And in Bunce's confused brain, the two began to cross over. So there were now horned fire monsters and scary, lurching wild things with green smoke puffing out of their terrible nostrils. (laughs) Good luck fighting those. Finn, Finn, are you okay? Asked Abigail, reaching him and Foggy at the same time. I'm fine. The real problem is those. He pointed to the monsters marching toward them. Oh, those? said Abigail. Don't worry. The Dreamstone works both ways.
Little bunnies? Is that all you can think of, little girl? How cute! The little girl has her little bunnies. The bunnies turned and faced the wild things. You know, I wouldn't call her a little girl if I were you, said Finn. And I also wouldn't... The laser bunnies began roasting the monsters, who charged at them the best they could. Whoa, did you do that? said Genevieve. Yeah, said Abigail. Bunnies are awesome, I love them. But Bunce wouldn't be outdone. He closed his eyes and a giant wild thing appeared, swinging his terrible claws. Wait, wait, said Genevieve. Let me try. Suddenly, a giant armored horse appeared. It put down his head and galloped at the wild thing, headbutting it and knocking it over. You're right, bunnies are cool, said Genevieve, but I've always been more into horses. I call that one Phantom. Elias and Vale came up behind Finn and the others, having escaped the nest through a cave on the other side. Finn's mother and the other adults followed behind them along with Voltronics. Finn, said his mother, grabbing him and wrapping him up in a hug. I can't believe you're okay. I was so worried when Elias and Vale told me you were going to be taking on Bunce, Boggus, and Bean all on your own. I'm fine, Mom. But you know, those other moms might be a problem. The dozens of fake Finn's mom came pouring out of the cave, and they looked angry. It was chaos on the mountainside. Monsters fighting bunnies, giant wild thing versus giant horse, and angry clone moms coming to chase down the explorers. What do we do, Finn? said his mother. I, I don't know. Attack, I guess? And did somebody say attack? Oh, that was fast, said Finn. Yeah, could you attack that guy over there and get that gem out of his hand? My pleasure, said the Queen Ma. She and her swarm dove at Bunce, knocking him down. Ah, get off me, you vile bugs! He dove back into the pod to seek shelter, the dreamstone bouncing out of his hand. Abigail dashed out to grab it. Okay, she said, coming back to the troop. Who wants the honors? I do, I do, said Voltronics. Okay, I imagine a giant plate of Oreos... No! yelled pretty much everyone, and Foggy grabbed the dreamstone, handed it to a dweller baby, who said, Yum! and bit into it, smashing it to bits. If the mountain was chaos before, it was nearly silent now. The monsters, the bunnies, the giants, and the mom clones had all disappeared. Left behind were the Marlow cosmonauts and their robots, and Bunts. Lancebot, said Finn's mother. Please fetch Mr. Bunce and bring him to me. Lancebot waded out into the swarm of moths, but before he could reach Bunce, the door shut. The rockets powered up, and the pod wobbled into the air. Inside, they could see Bunce fending off a cloud of moths as they pecked and stung at him. But he didn't dare open the door again, and he didn't dare stick around for long. And they all saw the furious look on his face as he launched off the planet. Okay, our pod isn't too far from here. Let's go get him, said Finn. No, Finn, said his mother. We have Bogus and Bean. We can dig them out of this nest and take them back to the Marlow. That will have to satisfy us for now. The safest thing to do is to get back to the station, make sure everyone there knows we're okay, and then finally, we can get out of this galaxy. When they all returned home, they returned home to a hero's welcome. The entire station was relieved to have their captain back, not to mention the explorers and their top robots in Lancebot, Foggy, and Voltronics. Bogus and Bean were brought down into a holding cell while they figured out what to do with the crooks. Finn's mother gathered them all on the bridge. 
I feel like these speeches are becoming a regular thing, but I would just like to say that I take full responsibility for what happened on this space station and in this galaxy over the last few weeks. And if it hadn't been for the bravery of these children, I don't know if the Marlow would still be in our control. I promise from here on out, no more secrets aboard this station. And hopefully, no more monsters. Everyone laughed and hugged and got ready to return to their compartments. Genevieve Brooks stopped Abigail before she left and gave her a shield that she had built herself. You've earned a place as one of the Marlowe's great leaders, Genevieve said. Elias told his mother all about his encounter with Linda and how he turned into an electric superhero. And Vale told his parents how he'd stood up to Bogus, even as he was swinging from the ceiling of a cave. But I'm going to need a new bow, he said. Maybe a laser bow. Finn was exhausted. He sat slumped under a navigator's desk where he used to play hide and seek as a kid. It was just a few weeks before when he'd been sneaking around like a kid trying to get a peek at his birthday present. And now he and his friends had just befriended everything from two-headed aliens to giant angry moth aliens, defeated their archenemy, and saved their space station. He closed his eyes knowing that he would sleep well for the first time since those weeks before when the wild things had entered the Marlow. Paige came over and without saying a word, sat down and laid her head on his chest. What's that? said Finn, running to where his mother was standing, looking over the communications panel. It's some sort of signal or alarm from a planet. Looks like it's about a week's travel from here. She pulled up a picture of an orange ringed planet, and they could make out a strange streak of blue coursing around the rings. Hmm, a week, Finn's mom said, looking down at the explorers. Think that's enough time for you to rest up? All right, I am here. For the final time this season with my editor and son, Griffin Messenger. Griffin, want to say hi? Hi, hi, hi. How's it going? Good. What did you think of that final, final episode? Good. <laughs> All right. Not pretty good, but actually good? Pretty good, crazy, and good. Pretty good, crazy, and good. I'll take it. Thank you very much. Is there anything that you're left with after that final episode that you have any questions with that happened throughout the whole season or in this episode? Um, I'm wondering how we're supposed to do... All those Bebop tales. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's up to Bebop. We don't have to worry about it. You and I aren't going to be involved in that. That's purely Bebop. Yeah, and uh, he's yelling about it right now. (laughs) Yeah, usually Bebop isn't involved uh, in our after show, but uh, I guess he's really excited. So what do you think? What do you think? What do you think that's going to happen on that next planet, that ringed planet with the streak going around the rings? There's probably gonna be some crazy. I think Buttons is actually hiding out on that planet with the with them all all saying attack. And the queen all saying attack, attack. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll find out next season, which will be just in about a month and a half, couple months from now. Uh, in the meantime, we're gonna have Bebop Tales. So let's get straight into the art for today. First up, we have art from two sisters and a brother who all live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada which is pretty cool. And I'm gonna show that stuff to you. And this will all be on the blog, of course. So they did some really cool coloring sheets. Evelyn, who's eight, did this really neat drawing, this coloring here that's really intricate and which I could not do. And then Hannah also did this really cool bird, uh, sort of like a peacock coloring sheet, which also I'd like to say I could not do. And then William, who's their six-year-old brother, drew a crazy monster. (laughs) Do you like that monster? Yep. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's got, looks like six legs, 
a giant mouth, red eyes, and maybe a third eye too in the middle there. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Pretty awesome. Thank you, William, Evelyn, and Hannah for your art. Bebop isn't used to having such fine uh, delicacies as those coloring sheets, so I think he's really going to like that. And then also uh, on today's menu is a drawing from Owen, who's from Loveland, Colorado. And Owen is nine years old, and he drew this really cool drawing. It has the spider, it has Foggy, it has Bebop on it, it has Finn on it. Uh, so there's a lot of really, really cool stuff on there. And the spider is saying, ha ha, that tickles from, uh, from when they were in the, the belly of Saffrite. So that's pretty cool. Okay. And so that's it. And then we have a joke. You want to hear the joke? Yeah. All right. And so this joke is actually from Owen and here it is. My name is Owen Turnbull and I have a joke for you today. Um, uh, what does, where does Finn go when his mom says go outside? Where? To outer space. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that, Owen. And then we also have a joke from Hans. Here's a joke from Hans from Connecticut. What's a robot's favorite trail mix? Nuts and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. Thank you for that, Hans. And thank you for your joke as well, Owen. And that's it. We did our art for today. We did our jokes for today. We'll still be doing art and jokes during Bebop Tales. We'll let Bebop handle that stuff. But anything else you want to say to our listeners, Griff? Thank you for listening. All right. I want to echo Griffin's thanks. This has been so fun, so exciting, and so great being able to hear from everybody while we're doing this show. It's been such a great time for us. And uh, we really appreciate you guys all being along on the ride with us. And once Bebop hands the reins back over, we'll be back for season two. So uh, until January, Griffin, you want to do your uh, send-off? Bye, bye, bye. Okay, I want to say thanks again to everyone who has listened to this entire season with us and everyone who has emailed us, sent in jokes, art, sounds, you are all the best. And every week, those emails are the highlights for Griff and I. Special shout-outs this week to Owen and Hans for their jokes and to Owen, Evelyn, Hannah, and William for the Bebop food. Also, thanks to Mateo and Elias from Chicago for sending in their sounds to Griffin's Sound Club. You can send in your sound, your art, your jokes to earth at fincasting.com. And if your art hasn't been up on the site or mentioned on the show just yet, don't despair. Bebop will keep on top of all of that while he's in control. And please do keep it all coming in. We have stickers printing for you all as we speak. Now, you probably know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's very important to subscribe to the show because Bebop will have his episodes. We may drop a couple special episodes and more over the next few weeks. So hit the subscribe button in iTunes or whatever podcast app you like. And we also have a Facebook page where you can keep up with what's going on. And I also just wanted to mention really quickly that we're part of a really cool group called Kids Listen. And that's sort of a collective that's trying to create standards and highlight really great audio for kids. And so if you're looking for something else to listen to over the break, you can check out Kids Listen. There's a lot of great shows. There's the Tumble Science Podcast. There's the Unexplainable Disappearance of Mars Patel. There's Brains On. Lots of really great shows to check out. So go to kidslisten.org and you can find out more about them. 
The Alien Adventures of Finn Caspian is a type drawer media production written and produced by Jonathan Messenger, edited and guided by Griffin Messenger with special thanks to Maria Villanueva. The theme music you hear at the beginning and end of every show is by Mark Greenberg, recently voted the nicest human on planet Earth. He did it, folks. He made it. For more information about the music, the art, everything about the show, check out the show notes. And thanks again for having so much fun with us over the last few months. Have a great holiday season, and we'll see you in January. It's mine now. It's mine. All mine. Hey, parents and teachers, have you heard about gzmclassroom.com? It's a website where teachers can get companion resources for everyone's favorite GZM shows. Six Minutes, Mars Patel, Podcast Title Pending, Seis Minutos, The Res, Becoming Mother Nature, Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, Treasure Island 2020, The Hollow, Young Ben Franklin, and The Big Fib all have companion resources for additional critical thinking, listening comprehension, and ultimately creativity. We made them just for you. And oh yeah, they're Free! Free! The people on Facebook didn't believe us, but they are F-R-E-E free. Head to gzmclassroom.com and get yours today.